Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 352. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. The receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by the receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy offices and behavioral health clinics used by thousands of practitioners across the country. Start a 14-day free trial of the receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. And first of all, if you hear a puppy in the background, yeah, I got a puppy. 
And if you follow me on Instagram at Therapy Chat Pod, you'll be seeing puppy pictures. So apologies for the whining. She's currently downstairs, quietly letting me know she wishes she were upstairs. And if it's bothering you, I'm sorry. Hopefully this won't be a usual thing. You won't hear a lot of the cat today because he's not a huge fan of the new puppy so far. (laughs) Anyway, that's where we are today. So I'm very glad you're here listening. I have a lot to talk about. First of all, today is apparently World Mental Health Awareness Day. So every day is Mental Health Awareness Day here. And I hope that you are aware of your mental health today and every day. (laughs) Also, October is both Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So in case for you, October is spooky season and you weren't aware of those other things, now you are. I've really been thinking about breast cancer a lot because I have a friend who's currently going through breast cancer treatment and I've had more of an up close and personal look than I ever had before of what that process is like. And Domestic Violence Awareness Month is something that I've always known, at least my adult life, because of having um, my background be in working with survivors of sexual and domestic violence. So when you work in the that field, you know April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So with both breast cancer awareness and domestic violence awareness, those issues are traditionally seen as issues affect those identifying as female. And the majority of people who experience those two things, breast cancer and domestic violence, are female or female identifying, but it's not limited only to women. And the reason I'm emphasizing both of those points is because what we're talking about today on the podcast relates to both. We're not talking about domestic violence today, but we are talking about trauma and we are talking about women finding our voices because in healthcare, those identifying as female are often dismissed in the medical care system in the United States. And it begins with our socialization in childhood that we are taught to ignore, dismiss our own inner knowing in order to fit into a likable identity as female. We learn not to trust our own inner knowing and to focus more on external approval, whether that's based on our appearance, how nice we are, how well we take care of others, how outspoken we are, and that harms us. You know, I'm thinking about the women in Iran who are literally risking their lives and their families' lives and safety to protest against laws that say they have to dress a certain way, behave a certain way, and in the United States, more and more laws are being created to control how women show up in their own lives and the decisions that they're allowed to make legally about their own lives and their own bodies. And I'm not going along with that. So I guess the point I want to make is that when we learn to abandon our own knowing our own thoughts and feelings, our own wants and needs in the service of making other people happy. There's a real toll that it takes. We can get lost in caregiving. We can be unable to identify our own wants and needs. And there's always a price to pay for that. It takes a toll on our mental health, no question. And it can take a toll on our physical health. So my guest today is someone who is refusing to be quiet about the way that the medical system has dismissed and minimized her inner knowing of what she feels, what's happening in her body. My guest is Dr. Christina Hibbert. 
Dr. Christy Hibbert is the number one best-selling author of the award-winning memoir, This Is How We Grow, and of Eight Keys to Mental Health Through Exercise, Who Am I Without You?, and the forthcoming Mastery of Motherhood. Dr. Hibbert is a clinical psychologist, speaker, social media influencer, and thought leader in the areas of maternal and women's mental health, grief, loss, trauma, self-worth, personal growth, and breast cancer. She's the host of both Mastery of Motherhood podcast and Like a Watered Garden podcast and creator of her award-winning website and blog, drchristinahibbert.com. Christy is also a breast cancer warrior, overcoming triple negative breast cancer and the BRCA1 genetic mutation through chemotherapy, cold capping, and 13 surgeries as of the time that we recorded. She was named Most Inspirational Women's Health Professional 2018 and 19 and won Best in Show Blog 2020 for her work as a patient leader in the WeGo Health Awards. A wife and mother of six, Christina was deeply honored to be named Mother of the Year in Arizona 2018. I would like to be named Mother of the Year, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> I'll ask my kids. Maybe they could say that, at least uh, tell me that once to make me feel good. What we're talking about today is how the breast cancer diagnosis is traumatic. The process of healing from breast cancer can be very traumatic and how there's a real missing piece in tending to the emotional side of cancer treatment for everyone and in particular in breast cancer treatment. Christy talks about how the treatment process was challenging, but what happened afterwards, well, I don't know if she would say it was more traumatic or as traumatic, but it's been very traumatic. And she has been a powerful advocate for herself with her treatment providers. I'm sure she has a great team and she is cancer free and she's still fighting health effects of breast cancer and the treatment process. And she's still successfully advocating for herself when doctors tell her that the symptoms that she is experiencing are in her head. Now, I have certainly experienced myself doctors telling me either my symptoms were related to you need to lose weight. If you lose weight, then your symptoms will go away or your numbers are fine. So there's nothing wrong when I know there is something wrong. I've worked with many, many clients who've had that same experience, who've had to fight for tests that doctors didn't want to provide because they didn't think that the symptoms met the criteria. And maybe a lot of this is driven by insurance companies, which I have a major, major, major problem with as well. And again, it's not about saying that doctors are bad. It's saying that medical providers need to listen to patients and patients need to trust ourselves. You know yourself and you know when something feels wrong in your body. And women more so are dismissed and women of color more so than white women are dismissed when they express their symptoms and often we aren't believed. So if you've had that experience, I want you to know you're not alone. If it feels deeply traumatic, you're right. And Dr. Christina is really trying to raise awareness about the need for patients to trust themselves and for providers to trust patients and listen that we know what's going on with ourselves. We know ourselves best. And I think that there's a major effect of patriarchy in 
the idea that, you know, women are hysterical and they blow things out of proportion. It's all in your head. And this patient is, you know, being non-compliant or trying to control the treatment or using Dr. Google. And the idea that, you know, the male dominated medical system is all knowing when many studies and many treatments have only been tested on men. So sure, we all have the same biology ultimately as humans, but there are differences in our bodies. And that's real. So how does this tie in with domestic violence? Well, when women are not given the same credibility just because of our female identity, that's oppressive. And that's one of the aspects of domestic violence. It's about a power differential, a power imbalance. Men have power, women have less power. And if you are in a non-binary, gender fluid, trans identity, it's even harder to get people to listen to take you seriously, to understand your body and to understand your relationship to your body. If you are in a fat body, it's really hard to get doctors to listen beyond telling you to lose weight. It's like, you know, come back when you lose 50 pounds and then you lose 50 pounds and they're like, well, you're 50 pounds overweight still. So come back when you lose 50 pounds. They don't say come back when, but it's like, well, what can I do? There's nothing you can do except you could lose weight. You know, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. So the weight piece is not really part of what Dr. Christina is talking about today, but it all fits together in the change that's needed in our healthcare system, the change that's needed in the way doctors are trained. I mean, they don't learn to tend to people's emotional needs in treatment. And it doesn't have to be the doctors doing it. It could be a multidisciplinary team where people who have expertise in helping people with emotions are part of the team. So I was definitely inspired by this conversation. I appreciate Christina because she's real about how it feels and what she's going through. And she shares about it to benefit other people. And it really lets people know that they're not alone. So I hope you will enjoy my conversation with Dr. Christina. I was very honored to speak with her. And if you if what I'm speaking about resonates with you, you should check out her Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you are a therapist who wants to know more about working with survivors of sexual trauma, I have put together a short training I'm in the process of applying for CEs for this. So it's not yet available on my website. I did um, lead the training for my Trauma Therapist Network members live last month and all of the TTN members can access the training for free as part of the membership. But if you are not a member and you are interested in that training, just go sign up for my email list. And there's a link in the show notes. And as soon as it's live on the website, I'll let you know. And if you're a therapist who wants to join Trauma Therapist Network and get the self-care call, case consultation, Q&A, and training every month live with me and recorded for you to watch later if you can't attend live or you just loved it so much you want to watch it again. Registration will be opening later this month and that link is also in the show notes. You can go ahead and get on the waiting list if you like and you will have first access. All right, so let's dive right into my conversation with Dr. Christy Hibbert. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so pleased and honored to be speaking with Dr. Christina Hibbert. Christy, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. It is truly an honor, and I'm so glad that we get to do this together. Me too, and we tried to make it happen before, and I had to cancel, so thank you for your kindness and quickly rescheduling. I've, I've been really looking forward to our conversation because 
you know, I really have followed your work for a long time, many years, and you were talking and writing a lot about grief based on your experiences. But more recently, you you had a life-changing experience that came up. And as you've been sharing about that so generously on your social media, it's really been impactful for me. So I definitely want to talk about that. And Let's just start off, though, by you telling our audience a little more about who you are and what you do. Thank you. And thank you for saying that. I well, I'm a psychologist and I'm a mom of six kids. And really, though, I'm a person like anybody else out there who has been through quite a few traumatic experiences in my life and a lot of loss, starting when my youngest sister died when I was 18. She died of cancer at age eight and, you know, then going through different mental health challenges as I became a mom and I had postpartum depression and that sort of all these things sort of influenced the things that I started to study and work on as I then became a psychologist and got my degree and started working. And later some other big things like my brother-in-law died of melanoma in 2007. And two months later, my sister died of an overdose of Tylenol and alcohol that was ruled a suicide. And they had two young sons. We, I was about to give birth to what I thought would be our fourth child and ended up becoming our sixth. We inherited our two nephews and went from three to six children. Boom. Just like that. That was a huge trauma for the whole family. In fact, I feel like as a mother that our family was really created out of loss and grief and trauma in a sense. And then some other things over the years, I had another very close friend who dropped her daughter at my house with my daughter and kissed her children, my son's best friends goodbye and drove to the Grand Canyon and jumped and became very involved in helping her family through that time. And another close friend who died of cancer just a year before I was then diagnosed with breast cancer myself. And that's what you're referring to. That's been the journey that I've been on the past almost three years at next month. It'll be three years that I've been dealing with this and it's gone on way longer than I thought. I've had all kinds of complications, 13 total surgeries. I did chemotherapy. I did cold capping and was able to save my hair and ended up with breast implant illness, had to start my breast reconstruction all over again, ended up with a hernia that was so massive. I mean, it was like life-threatening and led to now gastroparesis, a paralyzed stomach and a paralyzed colon. And um, so my digestion, my body doesn't work the same. And all of that, as you know, and as anybody listening can imagine, left a pile of trauma and grief and loss and identity crisis and you name it. So that's been the journey that I've been on with my family for the past few years. And as you said, very openly sharing and trying to just make sense of it for myself and heal myself, but also share with others so that they too can know what it's like and to know what they can do to heal themselves as well. Yes. And I said to you before we started recording, and I really want to say it again, that what you're sharing is so beneficial. You know, I think a lot of times people talk about like, I'll share my story to help other people. And sometimes that's kind of like a reliving your trauma over and over. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes trauma, re-traumatizing yourself and traumatizing those who are listening as well. 
But I think that what you're doing is just like teaching as you go. It's such a beautiful way of sharing your own humanity and something that anyone could go through. Any of the things that you are have experienced and are experiencing now, any of us may experience in our lives. And just the way, I don't know why, but maybe because you're a psychologist and 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 just who you are as a person, the way you share about it, even though it may be painful to listen to a given experience that you're going through for the listener, it's, it's so informative and helpful and, and naming something that so many people go through that we don't usually hear about. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. I think that's the best compliment I could receive. Um, being able to share has been helpful for me in my healing process. I'm an open book, literally. My first book is literally a memoir of the time after my sister and brother-in-law died and, and how we got through that. So I kind of live my life that way. But I do. I, I feel like this has been something while I've been so sick and haven't been able to see clients and speak and write and do the things that I normally would do. This has felt like something that I could do to be of service and to connect me with others. And there's just so many, as you know, as any listener knows, so many out there who just feel like they don't have a voice and nobody understands. And so I thought, well, if I can just sort of share the step-by-step and some days it's me, as you've seen me saying, I'm so angry. I hate that I got cancer and what it's done Mm -hmm. to me or another day. It's me like crying and just like, I can't, you know, I'm last week I had a cancer scare again. You know, I'm just freaked out and sharing what that's like and how scary it is. And I just, I guess to me, I feel like the best thing I can do is just show up as me and share the real and the raw yeah. and let people see my weakness and my strength because we all have it. And that's the only way that we get through. I feel like if we can be open and honest with ourselves and then find that help that we need. And that's what I've been trying to do for myself. Yes. And it, it, you know, I saw, I've seen all of those posts. I mean, I watch everyone because I'm like, oh, wow, she's going through this now or, oh, good, this is happening, you know, and it's, it's so, it's so real. And like I said before, it's like what we don't normally hear. And I think, you know, I've seen people go through cancer treatment who wanted to, well, for one, the, there's the fight, 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 you know, um, message. Mm -hmm. And you do want to get that cancer out of there, you know? And so, and I've heard like, don't focus on anything, but the possibility that, you know, cure, you know, only like, don't allow anything but that. And that, it doesn't feel right from a therapy perspective that we know that like you're feeling other things. And if you're just focusing only on positive, then, then you may be suppressing other feelings that need to be felt, which I think, and I think you may agree sort of can contribute to ill health as well. You know, that if we can't express and trauma is stuck in there, we know that that connects with ill health too, you know, or disease. Absolutely. It's that perpetuating cycle then. Mm -hmm. And that is, I'm so glad you brought this up because there is this, I mean, to use the word that's floating around a lot, the toxic positivity Mm -hmm. side of cancer, especially is I think people are just extra scared of it. Uh, People, when they hear that you're diagnosed, they come out of the woodwork. They, I felt so incredibly supported when I was going through chemotherapy and when I was having my first, my double mastectomy and my first surgeries. I mean, I felt more supported than any other time in my life by people that didn't even know me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people were sending me gifts, all these things. 
but there's another thing happening that you don't realize when you're going through it, which is you're being traumatized by all those pieces too. Just the diagnosis is traumatic to yourself and to your family too, to my children, to my husband, to my parents. And I did immediately go and get myself a psychologist to go see. And I knew that I would need that therapy. Most people don't do that because they don't realize. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to deal with the emotions as I was going through these treatments. And as you know, it was just kind of like everything kept going wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, just I lost one implant, then I lost the other one, you know, and then, you know, I get infections, staph infections. I'm back in the hospital. I'm out of the hospital. And so you're just trying to, yeah, you are kind of trying to like stay positive. And I feel like I look back on that time during the the first part, like the bulk of my treatment. And I think, why was I, why was I so positive? You know, I really was, I was trying to be the warrior Mm -hmm. and I really took on that name because I felt like I, I feel like I'm a warrior. Like I'm in battle after battle after battle. Mm And if you look at my camera roll from chemotherapy, there is not a single picture where I'm not smiling in a cape, you know, with a crown. I wore a Wonder Woman costume one time, you know, for my birthday, I had a birthday sign on. And yet chemo was the worst. It was Mm -hmm. miserable and cold capping. It's painful. It's like a brain freeze for nine hours. And you're constantly changing these things out to try to save your hair. And then in between, it's a lot of work and effort. And I looked at one point, once, once you're told you're done with treatment, which you're not done, first of all, let me just say, but your doctors say you're done. See ya. And that's kind of that, except for your yearly checkup with your oncologist, maybe you realize, oh my goodness, like there is this pile of grief and trauma. I felt like I was on a conveyor belt and just going through whatever they told me to do for my treatment. And that the treatment itself, it wasn't even the cancer. It was the treatment itself that was just causing all these other problems and and these long-term problems. And then at the end, you're dumped in the middle of nowhere and everybody's disappeared. There's nobody there to guide you or tell you, okay, now you're going to have a really tough emotional journey because you haven't been able to deal with it because I realized like I couldn't deal with it in that deep way. You know, I was doing what I could. Surviving. I was surviving. I was in survival mode and I was, I thought I was processing what I felt at the time, but I also was trying to stay positive and be Mm -hmm. that warrior because that's what everybody wanted. And then when you're done, it's crickets. Like everybody disappears. Nobody's there for the aftermath of the war, which is the hardest part. I think most women I've talked to, and I do a free online breast cancer support group now Mm. every month. And the, everybody says, you know, the after part is the hardest because I don't know what to do with these emotions. And I feel like I don't know who I am. I feel lost. My relationships are strained. My family's stressed. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I'm going to get a recurrence and there's nobody there guiding us through. So it is, it is a really challenging and difficult experience. And I would liken that to any kind of physical health challenge, but most physical and mental health challenges, most physical and mental health challenges don't have that rally like you see with cancer and that expectation of you're the cancer warrior, you're the fighter, you got this. And I'm telling you, I I hate now when people say you got this because it's just like, it's so more complicated than I just that I got this like I do. And and I believe in God and like he's got me, but there's so much more to it. It's not that simple at all. And you feel very lonely. And, um, and that's especially the mental health side of things that feel like that's the same thing. They're just crickets. You know, nobody wants to be there for the aftermath of the physical health war. Nobody wants to be there for the mental health war. They don't, they're just not there. And then you feel alone. Yeah. And I mean, you know, what, what you said, like when, first of all, I've heard that about, you got this, like people don't want to hear that, but also (laughs) like, 
when you said afterwards is the worst part, it's like, well, that made it immediately. I'm like, oh, post traumatic It's you know, it's just like uh, in a war, yeah. you get through the war. And then when the war is over and you're safe, then the impact of it begins to hit you. And that's what causes the trauma symptoms that we see. So, but then I'm thinking too, like how culturally, and this is why I appreciate what you're doing so much and that you're sharing it here too, that people don't know. They're like, oh, you're done. Great. It's over. Thank goodness. It's over. We never have to think about that anymore. And you're like, wait a minute. I think it's just started. Yes. So true. And, you know, I literally walked out the, so my plastic surgeon was the one that told me I was done after my hernia surgery and after all my reconstruction. And I literally walked out of his office that day and I stood there, I was by myself and it was during COVID. Of course, COVID made everything that much harder being by yourself. But, and I just was like, am I like, is he right? Am I done? Is this, is this what done is? I don't even, I don't even know. Nobody told me, nobody prepared me. And I thought, okay, I I did. I went and made a video, like I'm done with treatment. Oh my goodness. And then I start realizing, okay, wait, I have major depression going on here. I've got like major grief. Okay. I think I've, I've definitely been traumatized that you're right. It is. It's like after the war and think of the destruction that happens after a war, you don't just go back and resume your life. And I thought, okay, now I can finally emerge as the butterfly. I'm ready. I'm done with treatment now. And I realized, no, now I can go build the chrysalis and go into it Mm -hmm. and then melt away and go through all that process, which is what I've been doing the past year and a half. And I feel like I'm still, you know, just barely beginning to get to that place where I'm actually healing and not really doing all that deep work. Not to mention my body started getting sick and all the after effect consequences came. And so, yeah, that is definitely a a big hard part of it is that, you know, there, it is the post-traumatic experience. And the problem is that most, most of the women I, I am connected with, they don't even realize that they've been traumatized. Right. You know, so you just know you're feeling anxious and depressed and, and, and whatever, but they're not receiving help. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. And that's one thing that I feel that I have been able to help with is to give a name to what they're feeling. And then other people going through similar types of things, you know, they can understand that too, because it's not just cancer, obviously anything that's major and traumatic, like chronic illness or even mental health challenges as well. Right. Yes. Thank you. And it's, you know, and One thing that's coming to my mind when you're talking about that line between being in treatment and being done with treatment and like what it feels like in the amount of support transplants, people who have transplants, you know, that whatever was so sick, that organ that was so sick, they were so sick, they were constantly in the hospital and everyone's concerned and, oh, can they get that transplant if they could get that transplant? And then they get the transplant and then they now have a life of being immunocompromised and you know, organ, avoiding organ rejection and dealing with side effects of all these medications that they have to take. So they won't lose the, you know, the body won't reject the organ. And and it's that same thing. It's like you, you see it as, oh, you're cured. It's okay now. And then that's, I think that's like partly culturally, again, we, we don't like a complicated story. We like a clear, like, okay, good. When's this going to be over? Okay, good. It's over. Thank goodness. We never have to think about that again, but it's not really how it works. Does not work like that. And 
And I didn't know this until I was going through it. I thought the same as everybody else. So I do understand why people think Mm -hmm. that and why they, why it feels like crickets, like nobody's around and you know, nobody cares anymore when you're done because you're not really done. And that's the thing is, I mean, you, (laughs) you followed my journey. I mean, it doesn't feel to me like I've been done, you know? And in fact, you know, somebody was asking me about like trying to tell me how long it'll take to heal. And they said, you know, take however long you're in treatment and double it. And that's how long healing takes. And then I said, but what, what is treatment? You know, it's not just the chemotherapy and the surgeries. I mean, this whole past year, the gastroparesis, and now I'm trying, you know, like we're just, I mean, I I have to take a medication to go to the bathroom to be able to poop. Like, I mean, it's, my body is totally different. I couldn't sit up a year ago. I mean, I couldn't even lift my head or roll over. And so I've had to completely rehaul everything and now learn how to live with chronic illness and, you know, change diet, change everything. So it is, it is a misnomer to think, I I love your example of a transplant that a lot of these illnesses, they just, they just become a chronic illness. And I feel like breast cancer is a chronic illness because you're Mm -hmm. always scared. You're always checking like me last week, you know, checking to see I found a lump. Oh my gosh, I have to have a biopsy you're always getting scans. You're always going back. And some kinds, there's many different kinds of cancer and and breast cancer in particular. And, you know, some are scarier than others. The one that I have is very aggressive and there you, you won't ever be able to say you're cured. Um, there isn't a remission. You're not in remission. It's not Mm -hmm. called that. They call it no evidence of disease that right now I have no evidence that I have cancer. I also have carry the BRCA1 genetic mutation. And that puts me at risk for all kinds of cancers. So I'm getting, you know, scans for pancreatic cancer and melanoma. And, and, um, you know, I had a hysterectomy to get rid of ovarian cancer and it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong diagnosis essentially. So it's something that'll always affect me and always impact me, especially now with my chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, all the scars and your body has been completely rearranged. And, and so, yeah, that it's a, it's a, it's a complicated process that I think most people don't understand. And that's one thing that I've been trying to educate people on big time is, you know, I just posted something saying, you know, I'm cancer free, but I was told I was cancer free a week after I was diagnosed almost three years ago. And yet look at everything I've had to go through since I was told I was cancer free because they cut it out by doing a double mastectomy. Um, I still had to do chemo. I still had to do all these other things that cause all these problems and I'm not free of cancer. You know, it's always going to impact me. And kind of like, kind of like mental illness too. Like you might be able to be in a good place with your depression, but if something hard happens in your life or something comes up, it's going to come back, you know, it's likely to come back. So same thing. And I do, and I do struggle with mental health issues as well. You know, I just like to be open and honest about that too, because so many of us do. And I think we need to talk way more about these things. I feel like maybe my sister and my friend would be around if they felt like they could Mm. openly talk about what they were feeling and going through and not feel so ashamed. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. 
And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Therapist, has this ever happened to you? You're sitting with a client in the thick of a therapy session, fully focused on the important work that's happening between you and the client. Suddenly, 30 minutes into the session, from down the hall, you hear the door to your office suite open. You and your current client were the only people in the suite, but now someone has come in. You're distracted from your current client as your anxiety shoots through the roof. Is it your new client who's scheduled to meet with you in 30 minutes? But your current session has 20 more minutes to go and you don't want to interrupt this client's process to go check on who's there. Are they wandering through the suite looking for a receptionist? Is it a delivery person here to drop off a package that needs a signature? Are they about to come knocking on the therapy room door? Is it your neighbor from across the hall dropping off a piece of your mail that was left at their address? You hear the door close. Did they leave? This has happened to me so many times over the years. As I anxiously anticipated the session with the new client, I would worry they were feeling anxious or abandoned because they weren't greeted when they got to the office. Now you don't have to worry, and your clients can relax too, knowing that you have a discreet, stress-free way for them to check in when they arrive for their appointment. The receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of the receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And I do want to say, I meant to say this when you were talking before, but I just didn't want to interrupt, but I am so sorry for all of those losses that you've experienced. It's so much loss in one young life at the time when those things happened. You weren't even that old. And thank you. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And regarding like mental illness and mental health, I feel like my perspective is those traumas create mental health symptoms. And that's what we live with our whole life. But the I feel like the impact of trauma can heal if you can, if it can end, if it could stop. But when you're continually experiencing trauma like this, and I think that's kind of one of the um, experiences that isn't necessarily named about chronic illness is that you're living in a body that's not functioning the way it did before you got sick. And that's a continual process of, you know, adjusting and adapting to that change that there's a lot of loss in that, all the loss of the way things used to be and what you could do. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a big part of this. Who am I now? Mm. Um, You know, I'm I'm, do a lot of work around self worth, because I feel like it's the thing, the big thing that we all need to work on and and be able to feel in ourselves. Um, and, And that's really hard. I mean, it's I had been through this kind of loss of identity with the losses and the deaths in my life before. But then when you add in your body, actually, not, you know, it's, it's one thing, like when I was dealing with depression or anxiety or those kinds of things, but this body thing where literally my body is, looks different. It feels different. It, it works differently, all of that. And, and you're right. And it is such an adjustment. And then you do you, it's so easy to get triggered because every little thing like last week, having to get a biopsy in the place where I was, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer with the same doctor in the same room, you know, 
every time I went to physical therapy in the hospital where I had my first emergency surgery to, to remove one of my breasts, you know, one of my implants, all of that is just re-triggering, re-triggering, re-triggering. And then because I, you know, because of what I do for my work and because I believe in doing your work, you know, I've been doing my trauma work as well the past many months. And of course that's triggering as well. You know, that brings up a lot of things and it brings up it's, it's, I was telling you earlier, I mean, I feel like it's like a string, you know, when you have a new trauma, it just tugs on all the others and they kind of come with it. And it's almost like they move into a new position. And even the ones that you've dealt with in some way in the past, because I did go to therapy and work through the deaths and the losses, but boy, this breast cancer trauma, it's not only it's complex, it's, it's that complex PTSD is really what I've been dealing with. It's brought up all the like, you know, developmental trauma that happened in my childhood. And then also all these traumatic events in my life, they've all come up with it. It's all linked. And so for anybody listening, just to know that you can feel like you, you can have done the work and really done what you needed to do. And you've, you've healed at that place in time, but then something else can happen like as happened here. And it just tugs it all with it into this new place in your life. And you have to deal with it in almost a whole different way or in a deeper way, perhaps. And that's what I've been having to do these past many months is deal with all of it again. Yeah. Unfortunately that, that I agree. It's like, I think of it as like that place that holds those past experiences is where the new one goes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sort of just blows the whole thing open and it's all, then it's all mixed up. And it's not like, it's like clear, oh, this is clearly about this. And this is clearly, it's just a mess of (laughs) chaos and feeling out of control and scared and lost and, you know sometimes maybe hopeless. And, you know, I call it, that's why I call it a pile of trauma. Yeah. That's what I feel like breast cancer has been. It's, I came out the other end with a body that wasn't working, being sick, still telling me I was done, but I'm not cured, but I'm better, but I'm not better. And then this pile of trauma, you know, I have six children. So when I used to do laundry, the pile of laundry was enormous. And it's sort of like, felt like I had to start sifting out kind of like I used to do, like whose stuff goes where. And that's really hard to do when you have so many traumatic events. And, and that's what illness is. It is just trauma after trauma, after trauma on top of trauma, on top of trauma. And that's why it's so complex to heal from and to deal with it. Cause you just, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't even know where to begin. And, and this is my specialty area. I've worked in loss and grief and trauma for all like 20 years of my 20 year career, but boy, I didn't know where to begin because there was just so much to it. Where do you start? You know? Right. And also not to mention that trauma makes you feel, you know, confused and disoriented Mm -hmm. and it's chaotic and, you know, so it's like, you know, it's hard to even, I mean, and that's again, why I appreciate what you're doing, because the fact that you have the the training and education and experience to contextualize what you're going through and explain it in a way that's understandable is just such a valuable, it is a way of being of service. And it actually, it really is because I think I have so many thoughts, but there's three, (laughs) three points that are standing out. One is, I feel like the, I wonder what you think about this, but I feel like the emphasis on like, well, okay. So two of the points go together. The medical process of cancer treatment, for example, but other types of disease treatment as well, focuses on making the illness go away, you know, making the disease go away. And so it's whether you cut it out or you kill it with chemo or immunotherapy or you know, whatever it is, get it out of there. And then that's it. You're over and done. And so one branch of that is your experience where 
you're cured, but you're not, you know, you don't feel feel worse than you did before. And, you know, making sense of what is, what does this mean? But the other side of it is sometimes people are like in the fight, 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 stay positive, stay positive, stay positive. And then the doctors go, there's nothing else we can do. And you're like, what? And so I feel like it, in a way, it unintentionally creates a situation where people don't get a chance to come to acceptance with mortality. So and then they're not ready and they're, then maybe there's nothing that can be done and it's, it's very quick and they're not ready and their family and it's not prepared because everybody's just been like, no, we'll find a cure, you know? Yeah. And that's, that can create a very complicated trauma and grief experience, both for the, the patient and then the people they love, you know? Yes. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I think it's so true that that's why I'm such a proponent of feel what you feel. Yeah. And, and talk about it in safe places with safe people, because then you are prepared for whatever happens and you're not stuck in that toxic positivity place and you're not in denial. And it's also... I was just talking about this with on another show about, you know, how my children have dealt with my, my cancer. And especially, you know, my one son who is the older of my nephews, my biggest fear has been that I would die and leave them again. They've lost their mother and then two best friends, mothers, you know, and, and I, he told me, you know, a couple months into it, that the reason why he wasn't coming around, he doesn't live at home anymore was because he just couldn't deal with it, you know? And I understood that. And then at the same time, I had like a six, one of my, my daughters was 16 and she was just angry at me because she was going through depression and suicidal thinking and panic attacks. And I was going through chemo and I was super sick and I couldn't be there for her. And, you know, I realized later she was angry at the cancer, but I'm just so glad that I knew and that I had some skill and training in the, in the ways of communicating about it, talking about it and being open with my kids and with myself, trying to always get in tune with what I'm feeling, what's really going on. And you said that word mortality, and that's, that's what scares people about that cancer diagnosis. That's why people rally. That's why they, and that's why they cheer. And that's why they want it to be done because we do not want to face our own mortality. And I've dealt with it when my close family members died, but I've never dealt with it in the sense of, I have an illness that really, if I did nothing right now, I would die for sure. And so that's a huge thing that the person going through the treatment is going through. And if we don't deal with it while we're going through it, you're right. I mean, whether we are cured or whether we are, you know, going to be afraid of it the rest of our lives, kind of like I feel, or whether it ends up being stage four and there isn't a cure, we're going to all be better off and your family's going to get better off if we, if we keep talking and it's okay to talk. And that's why, that's why I started this support group because there aren't a lot of, there's just not a lot of resources yeah. Um, for people going through this and the medical community, I just feel needs to do so much better. I mean, imagine if your mental and emotional journey of through cancer was just part of your treatment, right? What if they just talked to us about it and <sighs> made it part of the treatment? And I shared earlier that, you know, one of my surgeons is, is starting to do treatment for PTSD. She's retired and she's going to start doing the ketamine treatment. And I've been doing that myself um, to work through the PTSD. 
ketamine therapy. And you know, that she said the same thing. I can cut out the cancer, but I can't cure the patient. I can't cure the trauma. And we need, we need more help with that. We need more understanding. We need more resources and safe places for people to be able to do that because often we can't turn to our families because they're having their own experience with our mortality too. And the other part is while we're going through treatment, everybody around us is dealing with how they feel about it, but we're just in that survival mode. So that's another reason why you get to the end and you feel like everybody else is done with you. Well, they've been dealing with it all along and we haven't yet, but I, I, you know, I encourage anybody listening um, and any therapist to encourage their clients to, to do the trauma work when they're ready and to help them acknowledge that this is what's happened. And no wonder you feel this way because you've been through a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like there's something you're saying that's like just speaking about the unspeakable fears and unspeakable pain. And I call it unspeakable, but it's not, there's nothing that we can't stand to hear from each other. But you know, when your son said, I just can't, I can't deal with it. I have to stay away. He's still saying I'm in so much pain to think that you're going through this and to know that this is happening. And it reminds me of these other things. Even that connects you because you're acknowledging instead of pretending it's not what it is, you know, that it's hurts. We're all sad. sucks. We're miserable about this because we love you and we don't want you to be going through this, you know? Yes. And so it's I like love a way you of and exp- I don't want you to go yeah. through this. Yeah. And then we come an together. expression of love. Yeah. Absolutely. It helps our relationships heal and not just our bodies, you know? Yeah. And really the change that you're talking about with bringing the emotional experience into the treatment process does would not be a huge change. You know, you could just have, you know, therapy as part of the treatment, like you would do with chemotherapy, you know? That's what I think that this is where I feel like I'm, I have a, I have a mission moving forward as I heal more. I just feel like it'd be, it would be simple to add that in and how much better would that experience be if it were normalized and talked about? And if you just, if you knew you had somewhere to turn instead of most of the women that come to my support group and they come from around the world, they come because they have nowhere. And some of them have never talked to another breast cancer survivor. They ha- they have no support system. No one's ever told them about trauma or what PTSD is like or that they can even get help. And, you know, they just they 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 haven't had that and it just breaks my heart because it's so it would be so simple and I know there are so many people professionals out there that would love to help these women if they could just find the right people, you know? So uh. we got work to do. <sighs> Yeah. Well, you are really, really making a big difference in, in that. And, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, you, you were talking about postpartum depression. And as you said that, I remembered that's where I first learned about you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, grief became a bigger part of what you were talking about. And I was like, Oh, this is very interesting. I'm learning a lot here. And then, you know, just from what you shared, like it wasn't a training or anything, you know, but, but you taught me so much. And then, and it's because it's from the experience Mm -hmm. and not just the intellect, you know? Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, I really appreciate that. I was sharing this with you earlier, but I I call it the doctor of life degree. And I think so many of us earn that doctor of life degree. I wrote about that in my book. This is how we grow. As I was going through that experience after my sister died, Um, it's all those experiences. And if we can use them and share them and talk about them, I don't think other people look at me as weak because I talk about the fact that I'm struggling with PTSD or that I've had all these health problems or I've had depression. I just think it it connects me with people and they feel understood and they feel like then they can speak up and we sort of start this cycle. So that doctor of life part of me is, is really important to me. 
And then when I can combine that with my doctor of psychology degree, I think we can get some real good information to help people. So that's, that's kind of what I try to do. Well, thank you for what you're doing. And before we stop for now, is there anything else you want to share? Is there anything you want people to hear or know from what you're, what you have to offer? No pressure. <laughs> but I just didn't want to give so Miss a chance things. for you to no. tell something else that you wanted to say. I just, I mean, my message is kind of always the same, just, you know, that none of us escapes life without going through these hard things and, and none of us escapes life alive either. So um, dealing with our mortality, dealing with our bodies, changing, even aging, dealing with mental health challenges, acknowledging our weaknesses and our strengths. I always tell a big proponent, I have a whole model of how to build self-worth that I, that I teach because I feel like that's such a huge underlying issue, but I feel like the more we talk about these things, the more we do feel our true worth and we, and we kind of step into who we really are. And we also just have such a potential to do good. So anybody listening, you know, I'm not telling you, you have to go like I do and tell everybody your whole story, but, but when you have a safe place, when you feel like you are prompted to do so speak up and, and say something. I feel like this is the only way we're going to end the stigma of mental health. This is the only way we're going to find understanding for cancer and other chronic illness. And this is the way that we heal. This is how we grow, I guess. This I is how say, we grow. You know? So that's what I would say. Well, that's beautiful. And so speaking of that, and that is the title of your first book, where can people find your that book and, you know, your self-worth model, if you share it and, and, Anything else that you're doing, where, where do you want people to go to find you? You can always go to my website, drchristinahibbert.com. I also have a free uh, mini course starting off the whole self-worth journey. If you want to get started with that, you can do that. My books are all linked up there, but you can find them on Amazon or anywhere else. And then of course, I'm very active, as you said, on Instagram and Facebook and recently on TikTok, which my kids are not happy about, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not dancing though. I'm not dancing, just sharing wisdom, trying to. I'm sure that it will help because I can't tell you how many people come to therapy and say, you know, I was seeing this thing on TikTok the other day and it really (laughs) made me realize something about myself. I'm like, you would dismiss the old way would you would dismiss (laughs) that, but it's like, well, what was it? And you know, it turns out a lot of times it's something valuable. There's some good stuff out there. I'm trying to, trying to contribute to it. So yes, connect with me. I I love connecting with anybody. So, and if there's any way I can help or serve anybody, just let me know. I'm so grateful for what you're doing and who you are and what you shared here. So thank you so much for coming on to therapy chat today. It was really a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, such a pleasure to be here with you. I just love you. I told you, I wish you were my therapist, but I'm, I'm glad. I think it's even better that you're my friend. So, and (laughs) thanks for all you you do too. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you to The Receptionist for iPad for sponsoring this week's episode. The Receptionist for iPad is the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy offices and behavioral health clinics used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, 
to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.